0: How can people be good leaders oh
1: look leadership starts with um you know with well it starts with brand right personal brand um and what happens in business is a lot of people get caught up in a brand they're building so they say right i'm going to start a business and they they go and get their nice name and their logo and they can create these funny things and and they get caught up in colors and business cards and websites and what happens in this process of creating their brand they get so stuck on that brand that they forget about their personal brand Mm. And the most important thing to me is you've got to get your personal brand right because your personal brand never leaves you.
0: Hello and welcome to Trillions. I'm your host Elise Grace and today I am chatting with Philip DeBella, someone I met eight years ago who played a huge role mentoring and inspiring me to dream big. He has a net worth of over a hundred million dollars and is known as Australia's Coffee King. In 2002 he started DeBella Coffee selling at the markets and helping cafes get established. Right before he went global, Phil sold for $47 million to Retail Food Group in 2014. On this episode, we talk about the importance of personal branding, having a clear vision, gratitude, Phil's time with Richard Branson, and much more. So, let's get stuck into it. In prep for the fight, did you train with him?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but not a lot, not as much. And he wanted to do like five, six sessions a week. We only did one or two. Yeah. So, but we've trained together before, so. Yeah. Yeah, and he's, I mean, he's a professional. There's no doubt he's a better fighter, much better fighter than me. But, like he said, I can fight. Yeah. So, it makes it easier because I know how to fight.
0: You look good. You look, uh, you look powerful and yeah, you're moving around feet. pretty quickly too. Yeah,
1: yeah very quick. Mm. So, when I, especially when I, my last fight was 167 kilos. So. In this fight? I was 90, I weighed in at 90.6.
0: Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, at your heaviest, you were how heavy?
1: 167. Okay. Point something.
0: 167 and now you're 90, 90
1: odd? I walk around at about 92, 93 and I got down to 90.6. Yeah. But I want to be, I'll eventually get under, to be totally lean, I'll get under 90.
0: Yeah. So you want to get shredded?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm pretty shredded now. You are? But not Let so me feel that. those guns.
0: <laughs> oh, they're solid. <laughs> so,
1: so, but yeah, I'm going to get my, when I, at 90.6 I had four abs. Yeah. So I'm getting
0: there. Yeah, just two more to go or maybe four, depending on if you want the eight pack. I don't want to
1: eat. <laughs> I'm not going to work too hard for that.
0: Um, so are you, are you dieting? Like what are you doing with food?
1: Yeah, no, dieting. So it's small, small food often. But I went and had that stomach surgery. Oh, so I went okay. and had um, – so two years ago, because I always talk about it, no different to business, right? Um, use the resources around you yeah. that you need. And um, so I researched it, looked into it, and a few people I knew when I did it. And, um, and what it was for me is I actually eat more food now than what I ever have. Um, but wow. it was – so people go, oh, is that why you lost the weight? No, I lost the weight because – there is no secret, right? It's true what they say. Yeah. 80% is food, 20% is exercise. Yeah. Now, in saying that, why? Because obviously the exercise is why I don't look flabby and all the rest of it. It's because I train hard. Mm. So it keeps everything toned and you know and definition and all the rest of it. But it's the food that makes you lose the weight, not the training. yeah And the food side of it is – Eat small, eat often. There's, you know, you can. I've done everything they can think about. You know, keto this and keto that, and no carbs and proteins and Weight Watchers. I'd done everything. It's eat small, eat often, and it doesn't really matter what you eat as long as you're not eating a truckload of sugar. Yeah. Um, but eat small, eat often. I like I said, I eat more food now than I ever have, but I'm eating six times a day or five times a day. Yeah. Um, at worst, three times a day. Whereas before, I'd eat one meal a day. But it was like dumping, you know. Imagine a fireplace, and you dump all this yeah. wood at the same time. Yeah, just kind of floods the well, body. Well, you know, heaps about makes it. Tired. It's, yeah.
0: Oh, well, that's cool. So um, you've been eating more, smaller meals, exercising. What kind mm-hmm. of exercise have you been doing?
1: Well, boxing training. So I had three types of training. So I've been doing a lot of endurance stuff um, to get the fitness up. And then I was doing, obviously, my, my boxing skills training. And then, obviously, a lot of weight stuff, um, yeah. you know, to, to obviously, you know, get definition and, and shred where you want to shred and build the muscles you want to build. Because, like, I never used to have a really strong back or lats. so now I'm starting. So one of my goals by the end of the year is to be able to do five Chin ups. So I've always been very powerful in the arms and legs, but I've never been able to do chin ups because I've never been powerful in the lats or the back. Whereas yeah. now I can actually do two chin ups. So, so I'm like this, underhand t- yeah, grip. Yeah. So yeah. I'm working towards getting to five. Cool. Um, by the end of the year. So just working on the areas that is no different to business. Working on the weaknesses rather than focusing on the strengths. Yeah. And you see it at the gym. Everyone goes and does their upper body, and then their legs look terrible. Or they do their legs, and their upper body looks terrible.
0: Well, they just do their chest, and they end up. Hunched yeah. Over like well, this, that's right. And business is the same hard.
1: right? Everyone gets caught up on their strengths and doesn't focus on their weaknesses. So yep. that's something that I'm applying to all of all of self, so.
0: So do you think it's better to focus on on improving things you're weak at or does it like how do you cuz there's so many things you could you could choose to to learn and be better at, but how do you choose what's important to focus on and what what you just
1: well, for me, it's about three things. I always talk about, you know, pe- everyone's life is personal, professional and family. And it really comes down to understanding what you want to be or what your vision is for each one. So what's your vision personally, professionally and family? Um, and then to build a plan on how you're going to achieve that. Um, and that'll start to flush out what becomes important to you. So, um, you know, to me personally uh, was to get healthy, you know, to get fit and healthy. Um, to be able to, it wasn't even about what my body looked like. It wasn't about clothes or, or it wasn't an image thing. Yeah. It was complete, it still isn't. It really isn't. Like I still walk past the mirror and go, holy shit, is that me? Um, in a good I way? Yeah, in a good way. But oh, I still good. don't recognise myself, you know. Yeah. Um, because I never saw it as a an image thing because it never stopped me from doing things. And of course, I know I look better. Um, I look healthier. You look younger. Um, yeah, well, totally. Um, but it's more about how you feel. Mm. Uh, to me, it was about feeling good. You know, like I used to sleep eight, nine hours a day and still be tired. Now yeah. I sleep five to six hours and I feel great. Yeah. Um, it was about being more active, you know. Things like that get really difficult like tying your shoelace or you know it's, now it just you know is, is, is easy I want to learn how to surf um you know I was always strong but I could never get myself up on a surfboard and I'd probably sink it if I did before <laughs> um, whereas now you know I can get up very easily off the ground and um and that's so I want to get into surfing when it gets warm, you know later obviously now we're heading into winter but after that so just doing things that – like I never, I wanted to have a fight under 92 kilos. Ian Jacobs and I talked about it for years. Um, I was just able to finish that. So just yeah. certain things that you just take for granted. Um, you know, flying economy on a plane. Um, it had to always be business class. And, and now I'm happy to get on an economy seat if it's interstate or three-hour trip yeah. um, because the economy seat's too big for me. Um, there's just little things that you really take for granted. Um, yeah. you know, not having to ask for an extension belt in, on a plane. Um, And I never got embarrassed doing so because, again, I was never self-conscious or, you know, I've always been mentally strong and secure and all the rest of it. Um, So my motivation wasn't that. My motivation was all about personally being a better version of myself and feeling better and living longer. Yeah. Um, So that was important. So then obviously what I went about doing flushed out, um, you know, and business is the same thing and then family is the same thing. You know, is, is I set a very clear vision of where I want to be in each category and then set out the steps of what I need to do to achieve that.
0: Yeah. So you focus on three categories?
1: Always. Yeah. So
0: a lot of people in, in business, they get overwhelmed, especially in the beginning with which direction do I take? Um, they might be confused about which idea to choose or um, when they do commence a business, um, they have mar- marketing or they, they may or may not have staff. They've got all these little intricate things that they need to do. How? how how do you recommend they choose what to focus on and what not to focus on well, to and what me, to delegate well
1: to me i always talk about um again it starts with vision you've got to have a very clear vision of where you want to be and what you want your business to be
0: yeah
1: um and then you know and, and around creating that vision which some people call purpose some people call goals it's all the same thing right it really is what do you see where do you, what, what's the destination look like um and whether that's a purpose a vision whatever you call it but in, in able to to, to answer the question is you've really got to understand how you got to your vision or what your purpose is. And and to me, I talk about what problem are you going to solve or what's going to make you relevant or if you didn't exist tomorrow, um, who who's going to be able to take over from what you're doing? Um, that to me is really helps you set a vision that's going to be strong, um, achievable and, um, and attainable um, in terms of saying, well, hey, you know, and if I use Debella as an example, when I started Debella in 2002, if I was going to be just another coffee company, I would have gone broke because you could buy coffee from you know, 1,500 people at the time. Um, it was for me about turning a product business into a service business. Yeah. The problem I was going to solve is is was going to help cafe owners make money. Um, And and then, so when we set this clear vision of becoming Australia's number one coffee company, the the problem we were going to solve was to help cafe owners make money. That was going to be our USP, our point of difference, our whatever you want to call it, our differentiating fact. You know, everyone uses all these buzzwords and terminologies. It's very simple. What problem are you going to solve for somebody that doesn't exist right now? Um, And it was about turning it into a service business. And then what we did and where we delegated and where we focused came out of that. Um, and and I see a lot of people put all these steps and processes in place, but without knowing what a clear destination looks like. Yeah. And it's no different to me throwing you the keys to my car and saying here, you go for a drive. And you go where? And he said, doesn't matter. Well, you'll see most people just drive around in circles. Yeah.
0: And that happens in <laughs> That's business. A great analogy.
1: Yeah. Well, it happens in business. People just don't have a clear destination of where they want to be. Therefore, the steps and what they delegate or who they delegate or don't delegate become all blurred.
0: Yeah. Do you think that once you have the vision and it becomes so compelling, you just charge forward and and overcome things and figure it out as you go?
1: Well, no, you know, I don't believe, uh, you know, something that people don't realise is, you know, and I've heard this about me, they go, oh, "Phil feel Bella flies by the seat of his pants. Well, no, I don't. I measure things that many times. It's not funny. I'm strategically yeah. always planning and mapping things out. Um, but I'm also very quick to, to action. So I execute very quickly. A lot of people get either caught up planning and don't execute or they get caught up executing without planning how do you maintain a balance balance? well you've got to have the you've got to have a balance you've got to be able to you know to plan things out map it out and then execute if you don't one thing's one or the other is going to fail um you know and then again you throw in the third thing you've got to be able to pivot you've got to be able to if you're going down a road and it's not right you've got to be able to turn around and go back um go a different direction because you can't keep doing the same thing if it's not working
0: yeah so how do you how do you know when something's actually not working and you should
1: well, again, it comes back to the vision. If you've got a clear vision of where you want to be and what success looks like, you know very quickly. Yeah, you know, okay. Whereas if you're flying by the seat of your pants, you've got no idea until it's too late if it's not clear. Yeah. so clarity is simple I mean I talk about simplicity is where you want to be and simplicity is the hardest thing um, we haven't uh, humans have a great ability to complicate shit yeah and, and it's Definitely just yeah, it's just got to be clear and that's why I use pen and paper a lot I sit down I, I'm not a good drawer so I don't draw but I map things out I draw diagrams um, I, it's, it's all a part of the clarity process it's all about okay what does success look like what, what, what does failure look like um, where you know is this working is it not working is this measurable is this not measurable it really is about having very very clear targets and and processes and and you know and pit stops along the way of the journey so that you can understand and that's all then comes in about reflection and being grateful and and you know analyzing before then you know moving forward and rebuilding again
0: yeah okay so you talk, you mentioned gratitude in there which is which is unique you don't hear a lot of business people mm. talk about gratitude do you how do you practice gratitude well you
1: gratitude you? to me is a state of reflection so i try and one thing i've been trying to do since turning 44 is <laughs> I, every morning i wake up and i just sit there and say well you know what am i grateful for um you know and and, and a lot of it and i break it down to family personal and professional so one thing i'm grateful for family one thing i'm grateful for professionally one thing i'm grateful for personally That's um nice. you know and and it's just to be conscious of it and it takes 21 days to make or break a habit they say so it's only <laughs> Been Not about quite there five yet. or six days, so, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, is, but every morning, just trying to remember that to, to wake up and go, hang on before I get out of bed, what are the three things I'm really grateful for, one in each area, um, and, and that way we're programming and it's all about positive programming right it's mm. programming our brains and our minds, um, and then you bring in the concept of mindset, so gratefulness is a set of, is a state of mindfulness, mm. um, and in order to be mindful you 've got to be able to be grateful, in order to be grateful, you 've got to be able to reflect
0: yeah. Do you think some people completely lack self-awareness? Oh,
1: totally, totally. I mean, I was, I was done a flashcast this morning that'll come out in the next couple of weeks about EQ, you know, emotional intelligence. One of the key pillars of emotional intelligence is is um, self-awareness, is the ability to be conscious um, and self-aware of what's going on. And they're not aware of others, they're not aware of themselves, and therefore, you know, they're, they're heading into blind spots all the time. Yeah. Um, and it's little things that'll show you whether somebody's aware, even down to somebody trying to walk past you, behind you, you know, someone trying to get through and you're blocking the hallway. Like it's just simple things like that that show that the you know the amount of self-awareness people have or don't have.
0: Do you think the majority have it or don't have it?
1: Well, oh, I'd probably say most people don't have They've got the self-awareness. They don't just practice it. Just, there's a lot of ignorance that happens in the world. Um, it's becoming a very now world and um, technology hasn't helped with that where everything's about now and everything's about we want it now. We don't have to wait. There's no patience. And, and the more that that happens, the more we become self-indulgent. The more we become self-indulgent, the less self-aware we become.
0: Mm. Yeah. So in a first world, how do, we, how do we stay present and... Uh, I mean, Tim- Timothy Ferris talks about he puts himself in these very uncomfortable situations where he might camp out with um, no phone reception and things like that. He, he puts himself in those scenarios to, to have somewhere to go to when mm-hmm. he feels like he's being overindulgent. How do, you, how do you or how do you recommend people stay grounded in, in yeah. a world where everything's so To me, it's about bringing
1: it back to basics, um, you know, like the, we did it this morning with the children and no technology at breakfast. Your kids? Yep. So oh, cool. n- no technology at breakfast. You know, we're going to sit around the table and have breakfast and no one's getting on their phones, including me or my wife. Um, n- you know, no one's on the phone because uh, sometimes we'll just sit there and all four of us are on our phones <laughs> doing something. Even the kids. Yeah, even the kids. Yeah. And, and and that's just bringing it back to simplicity. And it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's Tim Ferriss and, and camping out or whether it's not having technology around the table or, or whether it's everyone just getting in a car and going for a drive, yeah. listening to music, whatever it is, to me, it comes back to, to being present, right? It comes back to being mindful. Um, and self-aware hard to be self-aware when your head's buried in technology um, or when you know kids are checking out youtube and doing whatever they do these days you know it, it really is about coming back to basics i mean it, it, again that that word of self-awareness emotional intelligence is so important and so powerful yeah you know? and unlike eq uh, unlike sorry iq emotional intelligence can be worked on just because you're you know emotionally intelligent today doesn't mean you will be next week
0: yeah
1: um, unless you constantly work it's on like it
0: It's like a muscle it is it's, yeah. it's a
1: constant journey not a
0: destination yeah cool i i agree i uh i'm definitely guilty of looking at my phone when I before I go to sleep, the first thing in the morning, sometimes when I eat, but um, yeah, it's nice to to eat the food and be be aware of the flavors and the textures and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, something I learned when I did a meditation retreat. They of course there's no technology, and yeah, it was, it was incredible how how different the food tasted after a week of being. Pre- present and conscious of the food yeah totally yeah so that's interesting so with your kids you said that no technology at the table um i i'm not sure about what stage in your journey you had your children but um i i I vaguely remember it was you know when you're on your way to um you know living quite a good life and comfortable successful life where you you've got um excess income you don't have to worry about the basics Mm -hmm. so how do you keep your kids you know aware of they say that sometimes they say that if you don't grow up in like a poor family or you don't have those struggles as a kid you don't have that hunger later in life yeah. so so how are you instilling good yeah, things look, with your kids to uh, help them
1: well i'd say right off the bat i mean you, you don't know what you don't know and um and if you you know obviously i don't know what my parents knew and what i mean by that even though i come from working class family where my dad used to earn 450 dollars a week um i still didn't have to walk five kilometers to get water so let's start from that point right we don't know what we don't know so the short answer and anyone can tell you any other bullshit but the <laughs> (laughs) kids are not going to know what i know or went through and just like i'm not going to go and what i don't know and i'm I'm not i didn't have to go through what my dad did so let me quantify it um my dad says you guys go and pay for water from a supermarket now you'll buy bottles of water we used to have to walk five kilometers yeah to go and get water we didn't just turn on a tap there was no such thing so back in you know when he was a kid in italy we they had to go and get their bottles walk five kilometers um return trip to with fresh water from the springs whereas in australia we can just turn on the tap but we don't we choose to go and buy water yeah. so you you know you, you follow that process then you then come down and yet i, I grew up in a family that earned 450 dollars a week that was, was it
0: was that a lot uh, for back then well no it oh, wasn't really? it was
1: peanuts but we had the best food on the table we had everything but we never went on holidays um all this sort of stuff because we didn't live in fancy house that my parents had never bought a brand new car it was always second hand car yeah. because something's got to give right now, you fast forward to me, where I've done well, my, whilst my kids have to make their bed, put their clothes away, they have to, you know, um, help clean up, they have to do stuff around the house, all the rest of it, they still have cleaners. Um, you know, they have a nanny to help them with their stuff. Um, you know, as much as we make them do stuff and we tell them that nanny's like your big sister, not your slave, yeah. um, they're still not going to go through what I went through because I had to wash the car, cut the grass. My kids don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, Now, I believe their kids won't go through what they're doing. However, what is to me important and fundamental that doesn't change is a constant vocabulary and talking with your children. Um, You know, sitting down or making sure you get your kids involved in things. So if if I'm cooking a barbecue, I get my children who are now 11 and 9, they help. Oh, nice. They help prep, they help carry things out to the barbecue, they help, you know, clean up after the barbecue. I get them involved in things. You know, it's it, it's talking to them, conversating with them, um, explaining things, why things work, why things don't work. Uh, we still go camping. Of course, our camping looks a little bit different to what I would have gone camping if it was with my parents. Yeah. And no, my parents never did camping. Um, it's But you still, it's not so much what it looks like, to me, it's the process. Yeah. So spending that time talking, communicating um, and, and, and doing the best that we can. Because, uh, you know, we've all got different resources now and, and just like our children as they grow up will have different resources to others. The one thing that we hope never changes is the ability of conversation. Is that people stop, talk um, and, you know, and with conversation comes support, understanding, self-awareness, um, you know, emotional intelligence, empathy, all yeah. these things. But if you're not having a conversation, you can't display or understand any of those principles.
0: How do you teach your kids this with conversation?
1: Well, I think you lead by example. Um, You know, sitting in a car and having a conversation with my wife versus sitting in a car and I'm driving, listening to music and she's on her phone or, you know, we drove back from Kingscliff yesterday and we sat there for two hours having a conversation in the car and the kids were listening. Um, So I think you lead by example. I mean, you are, as Jim Collins says, the sum of the five people. Now, it might not be five, it might be two, it might be three, um, it might be ten, but you are influenced by what goes on around you and and i think it starts with you know not this whole you know do as i say say as i do it, it's got to be lead by example be that influencing party so you know the kids see you have conversations they see you lead by example and hopefully that flows onto them
0: yeah yeah um it's interesting i can't comment really because i don't have kids but mm. i've now need kids and um it's incredible uh teaching them things and and how absorbent they are like a little sponge but also how much they teach me <laughs> even as a as a nanny 100%. they uh they've tested my patients and they've they've reminded me of how I used to be as a kid and and things even that I do as an adult that perhaps I should tweak or change so mm-hmm. yeah kids are cool because yeah. are very cool well that's
1: a, that's that's a, another part of reflection right is that you're reflecting upon yourself and and but if you didn't have that ability to stop and reflect you're not going to learn anything right you're just mm-hmm. going to go through the motions so i always say you know the best learnings are right in front of us we've just got to be open to it um, you know i like to just sit back in a room sometimes and watch and observe and whether that's my children whether that's workers whether that's colleagues whether it's just the general public i like looking observing watching because mm. um, it's where you do your best fascinating. learning it is and you do get but yeah. you see you know you people watching to be judgmental or you what are your people watching to observe and see what behaviours well 80% um,
0: is is body language so you can you can read a lot about about people i love uh, going out with my partner and um and, and watching people when we go out for dinner or mm. and saying, oh, those two look like they're on a date. What do you think these two are doing? Just reading their body languages. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's well, see, exercising exciting.
1: your brain, right? It's a form of brain exercise. Yeah. Um, and, and you're keeping it constant. You're keeping it going. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. And that's that's then goes on to be creativity, right? Um, and that's one thing that we, we've got to make sure we don't take away, no matter what technology is available from our... You know, breeding any children, whether they're your children, your friends' children, your, your your nieces, your nephews, whatever, your next door neighbors, is encouraging kids to be creative, yeah. encouraging them to think, encouraging them to speak, encouraging them to reflect, uh, uh, the ability to have. Um, you know, ill feelings. Not every kid's going to be happy all the time. Let them go through the negative feelings. Let I don't them think anybody will be resilience. happy all the time. Well, no, you know, those that are normally end up, you know, a unfortunately, um, having, you know, creating suicide later on in life because they don't know what, you know, n- not being happy looks like. Yeah. I mean, they to not okay with it. that. They think
0: that they have to be happy all the time.
1: Correct, correct. So that whole resilience and, and going on that journey is important, I think. Um, you know, we all want the best for our kids and we all want the best for, uh, for the people we love and care most about, but we've all, part of that, to me, wanting the best is is enabling them to understand and deal with the feelings when they're not always positive you know? yeah
0: the hardship so um, on that note of hardship when when has there been a time when you've been um, when you've been really tested and you felt felt like at the time that you failed so tell me about one of your best failures when you and tell me about the failure and uh, and how at the time you thought it was the worst thing but um actually it actually turned out to be one of the, the biggest blessings in your life
1: Oh, look, when I, um, probably one that really stands out, and was, which was the backbone of Debella's success, was I was working for a place, you know, called Cosmopolitan Coffee for nine years. And, and, and Yeah, and I loved mall. it. You know, and I loved it. I was there for nine, you know, nine years and seven years of it was fantastic. Loved it. I got to learn a lot. Um, I was working in the kitchen at part time when I was at uni and then I ended up, you know, building a whole sale division and, yeah. and, and, and the rest of it. And I really enjoyed it. I learned how to manufacture coffee, learn all about coffee, learn about, you know, put into effect what I loved, which was business and marketing um, and it was very successful um, and then like everything else things things get to a tipping point and the tipping point was well do you stay here and do it, build it for someone else who's not giving back or do you go and do your own thing and and at the time um, as much as the owner was encouraged to hey you should be looking at philip coming on as a partner or giving a percentage or incentivizing him it was no and at this point it's when he and he became quite nasty so it was like from From somebody who was really treating me really well and gave me this opportunity and i 've always been brought up to be a very grateful person by my parents and very respectful um, so when the person goes from treating you amazing for seven years and looking after you like a son that he never had um, to then going against you and really treating you badly that was that was a real tough time, mm. um, especially emotionally because i 'm quite a soft person emotionally it was It was something that I sort of not experienced before. Um, and that was tough. But then from that came the, okay, well, this is not going to turn. Um, so what's next? And this is where the resilient Phil, the visionary feel kicked in yeah. um, and said, nah, well, I'm going to go out and do my own. Uh, what's the worst possible thing that can happen? And that's when I went out. And, of course, at the time, which people know now, um, you know, Jana, who wasn't my wife at the time and we weren't even dating, um, she was the one that said, go and do it for yourself. And it was actually her father that I worked for. So it was him that um, treated me so well for seven years and then treated me like crap for two years. And it was his daughter that said, well, it's time for you to go out and do this on your own because he's not gonna change. He's not gonna respect you and appreciate you. So you need to go and do what you wanna do for yourself. Don't sell your skill to anybody else. and then, obviously, as everyone knows, we I ended up marrying his daughter, and we <laughs> built Australia's number one, you know, specialty coffee company. Yeah. Um, so that was a time that it was really emotionally was hard to deal with, and it was at a time where most people would go, "Well, oh shit, do I just stay here and keep getting kicked in the guts, or do I go from the fry pan to the deep fryer and work for somebody else?" Um, whereas I, you know, I, I made that and put the bit the bullet and said, "No, I'm going to start my own coffee company," and that was in 2002.
0: That's a brave brave move yeah brave but
1: um, I had good people around me I um, you know obviously I was comfortable with my worst possible scenario I didn't sell my house that I'd worked hard to pay off at the time um, to invest in it I started with $5,000 and most people know the story Um, you know I had had some backstops so you know uh, to me you know they talk about entrepreneurs being risk takers they're not entrepreneurs are visionaries that um, are resilient totally and they're very calculated risk takers they know exactly what they're prepared to lose and what they're not prepared to lose
0: so at that time, did you know that the um, the little small businesses and small to medium businesses needed your help? Was that your vision from the start or was your, your vision just to, create good quality coffee because it sounds like you're very passionate about coffee oh look
1: i'm, I'm more passionate about people in business than what i am about coffee yeah. um and that's something i can say now at the time i thought it was about coffee as we all drummed in especially at marketing school it's all about product you know um whereas to me I, and i advocate this and have done so for the last 15 years it's not product that's going to make you number one it's actually people mm. your skills with people your ability with people your, your 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 way to be able to you know design a company that is that is externally facing that is so customer centric that you know, nobody else can compete with you. Um, and that is what we did with Debella. We built a company so customer-centric that no one could compete. And, and I mean, we've got all the accolades to go for it. But the bottom line, the reason I can be arrogant in that statement, is that we became the biggest in the country, which I never thought we would, because so many cafe owners wanted that. It was a niche that we feel that nobody else did. And that was to help them with their business. I mean, all we did, right in terms of coffee, was we'll supply them coffee. But what we did for their business was we helped them service their coffee machine, train their staff, um, introduce them to better suppliers that would give them better product for cheaper. We did all of this stuff at no extra price except transacting a bag of beans. Yeah. How we got paid was selling them coffee. So it wasn't even about the coffee we sold them. Of course the coffee was sourced directly ethically from farms and it was great quality and it didn't need sugar and it blended well with milk, but it wasn't the product that led the way. It was actually what the organization stood for. What was the brand of excellence that we created that we now talk about greatness is in the detail. Debella stands for greatness in the detail. Um, while others want to make great coffee, we wanted to service our customers with greatness. Mm. Um, and now with me being back at Debella, that's what we're taking the business back from. So, so, you know, from the two years that I was not in the business, it's now going back to greatness in the detail. It's back to being customer-centric and fulfilling the needs of a customer.
0: It's actually it's actually genius because the more you help them build their business, the more beans they buy, but you're also creating a good relationship and practicing your people totally, skills. Totally. So, um, so, with your people skills and, and your focus on people, how have you created your own business uh, people-centered and... Um, And for those that don't have a team to lead, how can they be good leaders? they don't have kids or a team how can people be good leaders oh
1: look leadership starts with um you know with well it starts with brand right personal brand um and what happens in business is a lot of people get caught up in a brand they're building so they say right i'm going to start a business and they they go and get their nice name and their logo and they can create these funny things and and they get caught up in colors and business cards and websites and what happens in this process of creating their brand they get so stuck on that brand that they forget about their personal brand Mm. And the most important thing to me is you've got to get your personal brand right. Because your personal brand never leaves you. Mm. So like, Dabella's a great example. I built from scratch the Dabella Coffee Company. I then sold it. I'm now back working in it. I don't own it. I'm working back in it. And of course, I'm very well incentivized to be back. But... Debella Coffee, the brand, is completely different to Phil Dabella, the brand. Yeah. Right? And, and the reason that it is so different and the reason why Dabella Coffee became so big was because I always worked on my personal brand. And then I took that one step further. As I built from a staff of zero to a staff of over 100, I cared about their personal brand. And I make sure that everyone that turns up to work and works under the Debella Coffee brand, even to this day now, is focused on their personal brand. And if they're not focused on building their personal brand, well, then I'm not focused on having them in the business. Because to me, it's their brand that's so much more important than the Debella brand. And the more focus I put on their brand, the more excellence they deliver for the Debella Coffee brand. And it's something that most people find it hard to understand, but those of it that have followed that advice and gone on and done it, um, just, you know, I keep... to this day I get phone calls and emails and saying it was the best advice I was given was stop worrying about my brand and start worrying about people as a brand and the moment you start worrying about your, your team's personal brand, you watch the magic they create for your company brand
0: do You mean uh, creating something for themselves in terms of a business or? Um, no, creating
1: per- their brand, their personal brand. What does brand you stand for? So I say to people, what do you want to be known for? You know, where, so, and there's different tips around that. But, um, you know, it, it's about what do you want to be known for as a, as, as a person? So if I said to you, hey, Elise, what's your brand? What, what do you stand for? Hey, professionally, I stand for this. Or hey, personally, I stand for this. Yeah. You know, I mean, a brand is another way. What do people say about you when you walk out of the room? That's a good you, question. You know, not when you're in the room. What do they say about you when you walk out of the room? is is what is your own. and i'll tell you me i mean people aren't going to say oh phil's the most likable guy and we love him dearly and he's nice to everyone no but what they'll say is phil's authentic he'll tell you what you need to hear not what you want to hear yeah and if you don't want the truth don't ask him yeah but vice versa i say to people i want you to be as honest with me as i am with you
0: I think honestly, uh, if you're not honest with people and you sugarcoat things all the time, they can't grow. Because one thing I learned at university w- with the communication cycle is that there's a there's a feedback loop. Mm-hmm. And part of that feedback loop, uh, well, feedback is the last part of the communication cycle and feedback can either be positive or negative. But if it's positive, usually it's, it's just reinforcing something you're already doing. So how can you improve? If it's negative, it's usually you need to do this or more of this or less of that or or touch up your appearance here or there. Whatever it is, it's usually negative. And- if you don't have that negative feedback, you can't learn. So, um, totally, yeah. And
1: or you're living in a false economy. You know, everyone, everyone's told, You know, this whole um, concept of political correctness. We've gone mad. Oh my god. We've gosh. gone mad. Like we can't uh, associate uh, with the agenda. Sheep. Well,
0: you are. Agenda. I'm offended then because it, it's it, a rainbow. Yeah. Well, you know, you're an agenda.
1: You're you're you're, you're, you're a gender. A male or a female. Like, yeah, okay, you can be transitioning, fine. But you're a male or you're a female. There's none of this. You know, oh, you can't say I'm a Catholic. Well, you are. You're a Catholic, you're a Muslim, you're atheist. Whatever you are, it doesn't matter. But Pick one, right? Yeah. And, and, and just own, and take authenticity over it. Like, I think as know, a society,
0: people who, can't, who don't want to put themselves in a box, I think it's part of the problem with depression. People have too many options that they can't decide on one thing. So even with their fucking gender, mm. they, they're confused about their gender. So Well,
1: totally. It's like when I was overweight, people go, oh, you're fat. Yeah, I am. Tell me next thing. <laughs> that's how brazen I was I mean That wasn't a self me- Defense mechanism That was Yeah That's the truth I'm overweight Yeah You want to call it fat Overweight Fatty boomstick Whatever you want to call it <laughs> It doesn't really worry yeah. me I'm that comfortable in myself Because you know what You didn't make me fat I made myself fat mm. Right No one forced No one tied me up And fed me food for 10, <laughs> ten years Like and, yeah. and it's getting to that place Where you're so comfortable With yourself That you can just be that honest And the same with business Where people go Oh you can be aggressive No I'm not aggressive I'm passionate mm. No I'm not arrogant you know I but I'm vocal about what I believe in you know and no I'm not always right and I'm happy to be told when I'm not right
0: I think business you know? people really cop it <laughs> hey like if they if they give an opinion that's this passionate then it's like oh well, he's a bad person but anybody can be we all have all the traits. We're all angry sometimes, beautiful and happy the next. We're all um, assholes and we're we're loving and caring. Like we all are everything. Well, Nobody's positive all the time. Well, you
1: know what? It, 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 what happens most of the time is people call into their lives what what they're pointing out in themselves. So when they're pointing things out about other people, it's a deflection from themselves. Mm, um, agree. Rather, I've always been, you know, lucky enough to be surrounded by people that said, think, you know, even down to my dad when I was growing up. Look at what you're doing first before you worry about anybody else you know are you being the best you can be before you're worrying about anybody else so i'm you know and the italians well the sicilians more so of, which is the you're southern Sicilian, part of Italy. yeah, yeah. well they were all italian but Sicily's the southern part of it they're really renowned for minding their own business you know like the sicilians will always say mind your own business you know what's it to you yeah um and they're also a lot more um in your face the sicilians why i mean if i had to guess it's more because it's more villagey more poorer part of italy um they're really back to basics, so they're a lot more honest. They're a lot more community focused. They don't stick their nose in other people's business. Um, if they've got a problem with someone, they tell them. And <laughs> you know, and this is what I've That's found good. from even visiting the homeland back, and y- even to this day, you see them there. They 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 either mind their own business, or if they've got a problem, they tell people. Yeah. There's none of this political correctness and and all the rest of it. It is what it is. You know.
0: Yeah. So it's just like in China when I was living there, the Chinese translation is, is uh, they use the very specific words in English. So they would tell me sometimes, you're looking fat today, mm. and um, or you're not very nice, or you're so beautiful. They they were just very direct. Yeah. And I really liked that because I knew where I stood. I knew who didn't really like me, who liked me. Um, if somebody had a problem, they raised it yeah. very directly. And uh, that's the translation from their own language, mm-hmm. which was cool. Yeah. Well, uh, with your upbringing, and did you were you born in Italy, or were no, you born, I was born in Australia? In Australia?
1: Yeah, yeah, my brother and sister were born in Italy. I was first generation born here in Australia.
0: Okay, you're the youngest of three.
1: Yeah, youngest of three.
0: And what was it like growing up for you in Australia? Did you grow up in Brisbane?
1: Yeah, I grew up in Brisbane. Um, I had a good upbringing. My my brother and sister are older. My brother's thirteen years older. My sister's eleven years. So they were. Good Older siblings, they got married young, so I didn't, you know, they were. Uh, when my brother got married, um, I was seven years old. Oh, wow! Um, so, my sister got married, I think I was 11 or something, so you know, he, I was quite young, um, but you know having i had a lot of cousins a lot of older cousins um a couple of young um cousins my age i'm the second youngest out of all the cousins uh so i had we were had, we were grown up with a really good family um, mum and dad you know like i said dad would always have him with have me with him whether he's out picking fruit or whether he was making wine or the, you know if mum was cooking i he was, was there a wine with maker? them no he used to make you know bottle his own wine at oh, home nice. um just for his own consumption what did um, he do for work? You know, he used to work at the Royal Brisbane Hospital. So he was a yardsman um, there um, working in there for 26 years. So you know, it was just good values. And that's something that I, I find myself now talking a lot about me and my wife and we talk about it with our kids. And you bring it into business, personal, family. It doesn't change. It's values-based. People, It really is about identifying and aligning with people's values. So I find that people that irritate me their values don't align with me. Now, I don't get angry about it. I just, <laughs> what we call affectionately detach. Yeah. If your values don't align with me, well, then we'll affectionately detach. Agree so to I disagree. Totally. I don't yeah. need to argue with you. I don't need to have an uh, you know, uh, have an ar- argument or a punch-up with you. It's just simple. You go your way, I go my way. We say hello when we see each other. Um, yeah. You know, we just don't align. So you're f- what we call affectionately detach. Um, and you'll find that people... When you're arguing with someone or you're not getting on with them, who regardless, it could be your partner, your children, it's because your values aren't aligning. Mm. Now, of course, some things you can change quite quickly and, you know, and the temporary and some things just become that you'd never align. Yeah. Um, so, but that's something that I'm constantly vigilant about is, is, is surrounding yourself with people that have similar um, or complementing values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My partner doesn't have the identical values that i have i mean her highest value is obviously health and fitness and my highest value at the moment is is business and building our business together and and then finances i'm the accountant of the two Mm. and and she's not really that way inclined and sometimes it frustrates me um that she's not money-minded as as much as i am but then i go back to remembering that health is her highest value so if i can link what i want to her highest values then Correct. I can get what I and want and vice align, versa
1: right? well it can align yeah. she can have the value of health and, and the rest of it and you've got the value of obviously security and finance and one can create the other yeah, um, totally. they can work together and that's where you find that common ground of where your values align yeah. they don't have to be the same value they just need to align yeah
0: that's right well the, the, mm-hmm. the finances valued, is by the good food
1: yeah well if you valued you know and where you'd have a problem using that example is if you valued money and security and finances and she valued shopping and, and, and extravagant lifestyles <laughs> that's yeah. what you're going to clash yeah yeah right but i mean you know you can easily align your value with her value where they complement each other
0: yeah that's right definitely and vice versa that's right oh so on that on that note actually of finances um now that you obviously sold Debella to retail food group um two questions on that so you how did you know that rfg was the right choice so i mean were you appro- I'm sure you were approached before then by other companies how did you know that it was the right company to buy you plus the right time and then secondly how do you invest your funds how do you invest your money mm.
1: So time, timing was all about leaving a gap in the ceiling. So I got to spend uh, a week on Necker Island at Richard Branson's house in the Caribbean and spent awesome. two nights with him. And we had some great discussions over that time. And, and one of the things that we really talked about was when do you know when to sell out of businesses? And, and he always said, well, you've got to leave enough of a gap in the ceiling for the next party. Otherwise, if you build the business to its full potential, you don't get what it could really be worth. There's no opportunity value. Yeah. So always know to leave something in it. For Debella, we'd become the biggest in Australia and it was ready to go global Mm. so that the 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 partner ceiling for tabella was the global so it was ready to go global which then led to who do we sell it to well there was no selling it to i had people chasing me from all different walks of life from private equity to drink companies and all the rest of it um putting offers in left right and center to me it was to align with an organization that wanted to go global um and um were, were already in the business and that was retail food group they they're already a coffee business in such they manufacture coffee for their franchisees they're global um and they wanted to look at buying something, which, you know, given what's happening of recent times, it's great that they did buy their first ever business that had nothing to do with franchise. Yeah. Um, so, the timing um, was perfect and the alignment was perfect. Um, and um, and did, did they approach you? Um, well, they had approached me a couple of years before and then um, when it was time to move, I got my guys to approach them. Um, because I knew that they were interested a few years prior but it just wasn't the right timing. Um, So, you know, and we sat down, we nodded out a deal and and it was fantastic and everything aligned. It aligned beautifully. The right people worked on the deal for us from BDO um, and it went, you think about it, it went from start to finish in 13 weeks over Christmas. Um, That's just unheard of. That's quite smooth. And and it was the biggest transaction in the country in this space of coffee um you know so it was it was really you know everything aligned and it went really well um and now of course opportunity and one thing that entrepreneurs do well is they they know how to identify opportunity and and um, capitalise on it and two years later after effectively exiting i've been offered the role to go back to head it up globally so now i get to actually you know come back in a in in the lead role of taking the company global Um, which I'm excited for and and committed to for at least the next three years. Yeah. Um so that's cool you know, at forty four I can't retire yet. So you know. <laughs> now, the second part of the question: What do you do with funds? Well, what I did along the way—it's a bit of the McDonald's story—is we bought properties. So we, um, you know, as as we were expanding, um, we put the money back into the business, and and um, so you know, we we built up a good property portfolio. Bella owns property. Yeah. Oh, cool. So, um, we, you know, we we own property over the place, and we've also invested in some startups. Um, you know, to to. to to keep what they call you know call it our superannuation um is obviously but our property stuff's our our, our fallback i mean i can not work a day in my life and just live off that if we wanted to with the family but um obviously we always believe in tomorrow better than today and today better than yesterday so um you know it's it's all about just moving forward but enjoying life um you know doing our bit for community we've obviously got some charitable stuff that we do and always have um you know we, we we invest a bit so we spend a bit we invest a bit pay a lot of tax um keep (laughs) the economy running um you know so you know yeah let's just say we do more than our fair share in all areas of the community um you know but again i'm not complaining um i'd like them to spend my tax dollars a bit better yeah Um, that's (laughs) the only complaint i'd have
0: i know you're quite political and you you, um you have strong opinions for how you think the country could be run better and Mm -hmm. um i think a lot of people do what would you ever run for prime minister or no. would you yeah, Would you lot. get into po- politics? No, it's
1: not. The, you got to know what you're good at and you've got to know what you're not good at. And I would not be good in politics. I'm better on the outside of politics. An I've Italian better, in politics. N- well, I've done <laughs> a lot <laughs> of consulting. Um, I've done a lot of consulting. I've done, you know, I've worked with and still do with some Lord Mayors and obviously Premiers and even pro- past prime ministers of i've consulted to worked with sat down chatted advised um given them my thoughts opinions but me in politics i'm never say never but it's not an aspiration in the near future that i can assure you um one person can't make a difference um i always say one person can't turn a ship right yeah um it's it's all about you need a team and politics is disheartening at the moment because the minority with the with the loudest voices is the winning parties um and to me it's all about strong opposition and it's no different to business um we know we're in a good political space as a country when our opposition is strong and unfortunately right now it's all about who don't we want in government versus yeah. who do we want in government true. Um, and that's what people vote for um and if you think about the 80s and 90s when australia was really supercharging it didn't matter which side of politics was in it was all about strong opposition yeah. so whenever the liberal party were in the labor party was very strong Whenever the Labor Party were in, the Liberal Party were very strong. So strong opposition breeds good government, just like business. I would not have built Bella Coffee to be what it was if I didn't have strong competition. Yeah. Um, there were some amazing coffee companies, and still is, some amazing coffee companies, and that's what makes you work harder if you want to be number one. And yeah. if you become number one, it's because you are number one of a great bunch of people because there's great competition. Now, that's what's disheartening about politics, is that we don't have good competition, um, and so therefore we're not in a good space in politics in this country. Hmm. You know. And then you throw in the other thing about us being a bunch of hypocrites. Um, You know, they want us to have uh, low unemployment, but they charge you payroll tax to employ more people. They want people to open their own business and aspire to open their own business, but the government takes a quarter of what you make when you sell it. Um, You know, there's that many things that that are just crazy, you know, fringe benefit. And, And what's sad is that a lot of people don't know this. So, you know, when I had 110 employees, I say to them, you know that every time I take you to the football game or I buy you a car, I've got to pay an extra tax on that. What really? Do you mean? Yeah, and it's called fringe benefits tax. Yep. So the country, wants you look after your workers, by law we have to look after our workers, right? But when you look after them, they charge you an extra tax. Yeah. When you employ more people, they charge you an extra tax. So that is why, and that's where I'm very vocal, is that forget what your beliefs are. You can't argue the facts. And the facts are we're a country of hypocrisy. You can't... Talk about it, how we want you to employ more people and then penalise you for employing more people. Yeah. We can't say we want you to look after your staff and then penalise you for looking after your staff. Yeah. That's hypocrisy. And that's why you know, politics is a really, really bad place at the moment yeah. because you know, the minority and most of the people that are vocal don't understand any of this. You know, they talk about oh, you know, business owners should be taxed. Well, the business owners, if you take the government out of play... The
0: business owners are under a microscope. Well, the
1: business owners are the ones that employ you. So, if you take, you either work for government or you work for a business owner.
0: That's right.
1: Now, if you take the government away, who do you work for? <laughs> yeah. So, why would you want to attack the, 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 the business owners when they're the ones that are giving the employment out? So, if you actually look after the business owners so that they can look after the people, you're going to have a better economy. People be
0: happier. They'll stay jobs longer. That's right. And, you d- and it, it's not, you know, that's,
1: people say, oh, that's wise. Well, no, it's not. Just look at what the countries around the world look that do look facts. after their people. The companies, the governments that look after business owners... Right? Are the ones where the business owners look after their people. Yeah. Right? Because unless the government wants to employ everybody in the country, which would be a sad state of affairs, (laughs) then, um, you know, you keep attacking those business owners. And it doesn't matter what size, from people that employ one person to people that employ a thousand people, they're all employing somebody. And the moment they employ somebody, they're doing their bit for society. That's right.
0: Well, actually, they're in, they're doing their bit for society before they employ anyone because they're providing a service or a goods um, and they're, they're creating something that brings value to the marketplace, totally. even without employees. All right. Um, this is a question from Tim Ferriss. I've been listening to a lot of him mm-hmm. lately and uh, he's, he's great at the podcasting. Um, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere in the world uh, and it would say something to broadcast to the world, either metaphorically or... Or written in text, what what would it say and why?
1: Don't be a hypocrite.
0: <laughs> is that just coming off the back of the? One hundred percent, one
1: hundred percent. You know, or, or it would say, you know, d- d- you know, the the whole thing was, say as I don't um don't do, do as I say, say as, as I, I do, do,
0: or something like that. Uh, yeah,
1: it's 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 really about don't be a hypocrite. Like you know, it really is. Or it'd be, how are you being in service to somebody today? You know, because what we've forgotten about is to be in service to people Mm. you know and and that's something and bob berg wrote a good book called the go-giver where it talks about how to be in service to others how to actually be in a space of giving and you find that the you know and whether that's time whether that's advice whether that's money whatever it is is how are you going to be in service to somebody else and i think in a world of where everybody's making it more about them Right, and and I use a lot of because I love sitting back and people watching and spoke before and I travel the world for work you know you look at India China USA and Australia and the one thing that Australia has over all those countries is because we are a smaller population mm. we actually still do care for each other a bit more it's
0: like a bit of more of a country town vibe totally. here in Australia but we
1: don't want to become in like it is in India when it mm. becomes the way we drive where there is no system. China, there is no system. They drive everywhere, anywhere. That's they right. Beep. They beep. They, <laughs> they, 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 they crash into each other and keep driving. No one cares.
0: They Actually, right? uh, when they run over people in China, they actually, if they run them over and they're still alive they reverse back over them to make sure they're dead. <laughs> because if, if, if the government finds out who did it, then um, they're liable for life for this yeah. person. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy. Just, well,
1: that's what I'm saying. We don't want to get, and that's an extreme, right? But we don't want to get to it that place. Extreme. We don't want to get to that space. We want to get to the place. But again, if we don't start taking check and start you know, being conscious and, and uh, of ourselves and going, hey, we don't. this is what we don't want to be, let's make sure we're not building little blocks because it's that whole one degree of separation. One degree for a day means nothing. One degree for a year means a lot and one degree for 10 years we're off track. Yeah. You know And, and you can see that you know, this country is becoming more self-indulgent, more more selfish. It's losing its in-service attitude. And you just have to go to a retail store these days or you just have to walk into a place. I mean, I use hospitality as an example. Oh, so
0: many restaurants providing mm. average service. Yeah, and
1: you know why they're doing average service? Because the, the public want them paid penalty rates. mm in, you know, and I heard – and it was funny. We have one of the Easter. highest
0: incomes of the minimum wage in the world.
1: 100%. Now, oh, oh no, it, we're just on the back of Easter and I saw somebody abuse a cafe owner on Saturday um, down at um, uh, where we're we, Koolangatta in a coffee shop down there in a shopping centre and this lady said, what do you mean I've got to wait 15 minutes for a coffee and she was going oh to gosh. town. And the lady who was a lot older lady turned around and said, well, let me tell you without getting into politics – Ten years ago, I could employ ten people to work today. Now I can only afford to employ four. Mm. So instead of getting your coffee in three minutes, you're going to have to wait 15. Unless you want to be charged $20 for a coffee, which then I can employ ten Express, people. Express, yeah. And this lady just looked at her like she had no idea. And that's part of the hypocrisy I was talking about. Mm. When you're advocating, right, and nobody endorses low wages, not me. However, know your numbers, Right. A cafe owner, restaurant owner cannot afford to Especially pay more than 35, one. anyone mm-hmm. can't afford to pay more than 35% of, wa- of their takings in wages. Whereas currently wages without penalty rates are 40 to 45%. Wow. So then you throw penalty rates in, unless you want to pay $20 for a coffee, they've got to operate with less staff.
0: Yeah, that's true. So be
1: careful what you're advocating for. And this is what I was talking about, the hypocrisy. Yeah. You know, we want quick service, but we don't want to pay for it.
0: I'm more than happy to pay a, a penalty rate on a public holiday for somebody to open their doors and, and be there when it's a, it's a holiday and, and serve me food or a coffee. And you know
1: what? Everyone's answer that. Oh, we do. We pay 10%. Well, guess what? 10% doesn't cover the wage. Mm. A dishwasher on a public holiday is on $50 an hour.
0: That's insane. Washing yeah. dishes. Again,
1: it's knowledge. So ignorance is bliss in this country. Yeah. We're, we're becoming a country of ignorance, and this is why I say, don't be hypocritical. Be careful what you ask for. We if have it. We
0: have it start, so good here too. Well, you know, it's it's very comfortable down here in Australia, away from the the war well zones. Well, you spent time and the in
1: China, so you, you understand the difference, right? And where there's rich, rich and poor, poor. Oh yeah, there's the no middle class. The contrast and contrast Australia, if we don't choose governments right and all the rest of it, and demand better governing from anyone, um, we're going to have the same. We're going to head to the same. Same space. We're going to have, mm. you know, the rich are the rich and the poor are the poor. Um, and you get rid of a middle class, and it's the middle class that keep the economy ticking. Yeah. Right? So, because the rich, rich, you'll see them. When we're talking rich, the big corporations of that, that take their money offshore. They're not putting money back into the country. Yeah, they're employing people. Yeah. Right? Which is which is great. But the middle class is where it's at. They, know, they
0: know the tax rates, so they they're very strategic about things and they're still able to do that. So why wouldn't they?
1: Well, they, they know how to use the system. And if the system... So it's not their fault. They're going to... Yeah, and everyone does it. Everyone in the country is going to use the system to their advantage. So change the system. Yeah. Right. Change the system. Any, you know, and I've given... And I've sat there with many a politician and said, why don't we tax people for every dollar that leaves the country? Then everybody gets taxed. Yeah. If they're taking money out of the country. Any dollar that's that leaves China Australia. Does. That's right. India does it. China doesn't. Let's tax people for taking money out of the country. Yeah. Not, you know, you, it doesn't matter who you are. I mean, I sent money to New Zealand to build a house in New Zealand. I didn't get taxed for it. Yeah. No, I don't think that's right. It doesn't matter that I, it was to my benefit. I still don't <laughs> think it's right. It yeah. shows that I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah. Right? I'm not hypocrite. And I'm talking millions. I took millions of dollars to New Zealand to build a house. I didn't get charged $1 it's in tax. It's a beautiful house. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't get charged a dollar in tax. So yeah. Now, this is me knowing that I'm not a hypocrite because I should have paid tax on that. Right, just like everyone else that takes money in this country should pay tax on that. Yeah, N- but no, we don't. You know, simple things like that don't happen. So, you know, th- this is again backing up that statement of what I said before: is don't be a hypocrite. Yeah, don't ask for one thing and, and then ask for a different thing from somebody else.
0: Or lead by example as well. Oh, heavy heavy topics, but oh, it's a, it's good chat. It's really good chat. So, um, what else, Phil? I think we've covered everything. Tell us about some lighter topics. So, tell us about your uh, your car. So, I'm I'm a I'm a big car person. I'm I'm not sure about you. I feel like you are being Italian, yeah. um, and you've had some cool cars in your day. So, walk us through uh, your your physical rewards, like your your beautiful property in New Zealand and your cars. Um, why did you buy them? Are they representations of success? And um, what's yeah,
1: your no. Look, I um uh, to me it's all about. I grew up with family that never owned a brand new car. So it was never a known thing, but I loved cars. It was, you know, is it a passion? Not really, Um, but I do love nice cars, always have. Um, I don't buy them because they're a symbol of status. I don't buy them because of they define who I am I enjoy them I enjoy looking at them I enjoy driving them um, you know that's that's my why same with the house in New Zealand it could have been bigger than what it is it's not um, it's beautiful it but it's a representation of what my wife and I wanted and we wanted something different we wanted something unique and it ended up winning house of the year in New Zealand um, now it's not because of its size um, even though it's quite big it's not a monstrosity it's just pretty cool and unique and different and and I've always like things like that, like cars are the same thing, I mean, you know, I've got a Bentley, it's unique, it's different, it's custom built, um, I don't, you know, but it's a representation of me, which I suppose is that I like things to be different, I like to do things a little bit different. Uh, someone um,
0: someone I met recently once said, oh, he he, he has a McLarens, mm. and he says that a car is an extension of your personality.
1: Oh, for sure, yeah, there probably is, I mean, but, it, you know, I'm not possessive about things, I mean, I jump in my, any of my cars in no shoes on, or thongs, or shorts, <laughs> you don't have to be dressed a certain way. Yeah. Um, if somebody's sensible and they want to drive the car, I'll let her drive them as long as they're over a certain age, obviously because of insurance. Um, y- you know, I don't get it's, to me; they're not, you know, they're, pose- they're, they're possessions, but they're not. They can they can be replaced. Yeah. Um, well, what so was the
0: first the first car you bought? Um, obviously, you worked hard in the business. You started with five thousand. Things started turning out well for you. What was the the first Ma- major reward that you got for yourself might not have been a car but what oh
1: look the first major reward i bought and everyone knows, is the thing that i got around my neck not the one i've got now this is a diamond version but first major reward i ever bought um in 2005 was it's the same charm i've got now but not what? with the diamonds in it it's a sun it? so ah. it's made by Bulgari. Um, and it's, and it's um, representative of a sun, of sunshine, brightness, whatever you want to call it, um, which is also a nice symbol of Sicily. It's the same is, is the, the, the famous sun. Um, but it, that would be the most extravagant thing that I bought early on, and then obviously I, I bought cars later on, um, and I've been fortunate enough to own all sorts of cars, um, you know, and always had, well, what, for the last probably six, uh, seven or eight years, had two cars. That I've always had myself um, but again they're not you know if I had to go back to, to a basic car tomorrow I would I mean if that's that's what needed to happen that's what happens I mean I don't get attached to things like that um, to me they're not you know the uh, possessions aren't aren't that I mean even houses you know nice houses this that yeah but as long as you've got a house you're living somewhere um, that's the most important thing, y- yeah. you know, I mean, you, we all go away, some, you know, depending religion aside, you, you know, we, we're born alone, we go alone, <laughs> we go in a box, um, again, subject to religion and what you believe in, but, um, you know, we, they're not going to throw a car in the, in, in, in the coffin <laughs> with me right. or, the, or my house, you know, um, so they I'm, could, But I'm, I'm <laughs> quite grounded with stuff like that, it's, it's, they're not, possessions don't define who you are, yeah. they might be an expression of your personality. Um, uh that then obviously it probably good makes things. the driving
0: experience a little bit nicer but i'm with you I, I like the engineering that goes into them and the fact that they're hand built and and the thought that goes into them and um yeah i yeah. think that's really cool that somebody's put that much thought into a single thing it's like buying a coffee from you versus instant coffee right it's yeah, it's the same yeah, with a nice car yeah 100%. and your coffee is what's well, about amazing. Brand,
1: right and, and people get am- and attached to different things and as i was talking about Um, brands, you know, some people like Ferrari, some people like Jim Holden, some people like Ford, some people like Rolls Royce, some people like Bentleys. I mean, everyone's different. Clothes are different, cars are different, but everything comes down to brand. Everyone's attached emotionally to different brands for different reasons. Mm. Um, So, you know that's that's important, but again, I say they're not they don't define you the clothes you wear, the watches you wear, the wine you drink the the cars you drive they don't define a person to me um the purity of somebody's heart, the authenticity of them that's what defines a person um, what's going on between their heart their 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 you know their instincts and their and their um and their their, their head is something that you know. I always talk about that mind, body, soul. That's the combination of what defines a person. Is what's actually going. That's what we the Italians call substance. Okay. You know, cars, possessions, houses don't make substance of a person. What's no, of going on between not. their mind, in their heart, and their and their instincts, their soul is is what makes the substance of a person.
0: I think also how they how they treat other people. Oh well, that's part of important. it, of
1: course, isn't it? I mean, you know, it, it's always say my dad used to always say um, the way you treat your mother will define how you treat people. Yeah. So you see kids now treating their mothers terribly. And why would we say mothers over dads? Well, because it's the mother that carries you for mm. nine months. Now, if that doesn't create a special bond or the most special bond in the world, I don't know what will. <laughs> and that's something that was drummed into me and I drum it into my kids. Your mother carried you for nine months. Mm. Right?
0: And not to mention the birthing process. <laughs> yeah, well, let's not go there. But, you
1: know, um, nine months, that, that that's nine months of the closest thing that'll ever happen to somebody and if you that doesn't breed enough to be respectful then not, you're never going to treat people with respect mm. so to me someone that doesn't encourage their child to be respectful to their mother is is encouraging the child to never respect a person yeah
0: i can agree with that wow good chat i i'm lost for words phil as a good good finisher
1: no <laughs> oh, it's a good honest discussion i appreciate you having me on the show
0: yeah thanks so much for coming on the show and um and sharing your wisdom and uh, your insights in in areas of business, financial, family, spiritual. Anytime. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in with me as your host, Elise Grace. Do me a favor and drop me a review on iTunes, or if you're watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. would love to know what you guys think of the podcast. It helps me keep creating killer content just like this. If you want to stay up to date with all my movements, please check me out on social media at (laughs) Elise Grace.